Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is P, and P is for pleasure and pain. How different is pleasure and pain? Why do so many people gain intense pleasure out of what can also be intense pain? And what kinds of pain are enjoyable? I'll try to answer these questions today. So let's start with the neuroscience behind pleasure and pain. Pain and pleasure used to be considered opposites. But recent research has highlighted that there are a lot of similarities between the anatomical substrates functioning in both. The ability to seek pleasure and avoid pain is important for survival. Yet there is a lot of overlap in the chemistry of both sensations, and they compete for primacy of processing in the brain, which means that they will compete for that processing space and to be the first thing that is processed. This might be why some pain can be processed and perceived as pleasure. Relief of pain can also be experienced as intense pleasure, particularly if the pain was acute and strong. Endorphins that are released as a result of pain are often experienced as pleasure. In addition, when a person experiences pain and also stress, the brain produces more melatonin and serotonin, which can change the pain into pleasure. Finally, intense pain, particularly when the body believes danger is present, will produce a release of epinephrine and norepinephrine, which will create a rush of pleasure. If you cut yourself, this is what will happen. A cut, even a relatively small one, is seen by the body as a direct threat. One of the things that hurts good is when the pain stops. When you're pushing your body for a goal, for example, or when somebody is massaging sore muscles or aching joints, sometimes people are pushing for a goal so hard that they will override their pain sensors. 
and won't feel an injury until after they've reached the goal. That's after the rush dies down. The relief associated with that kind of pain is often perceived as intense pleasure. If you've been injured or if you have chronic um, problems with joints, massage will always hurt. But certain types of massage and certain level of pressure, although it brings pain, the, pla- the pain is pleasurable. There's a relief pleasure associated with that pain. Some people ask whether masochists always enjoy pain. The idea is if somebody enjoys pain um, during sex that they um, should enjoy pain elsewhere. Uh, They don't. If a masochist stubs a toe, it's going to hurt, and there will be no pleasure associated with that hurt. This is because part of what makes the difference between an action being experienced as painful and one being experienced as pleasurable is the context of the action. The delicious pain of a massage is happening in a safe environment with someone you trust. You can relax into the experience's result. The final thing that makes pain turn into pleasure in that environment is a lack of true fear. I say true fear as just opposed to fear is because um, you have things like um, horror movie or um, you may engage in a role play that's very frightening or have surprise involved and still experience <clears throat> pleasure. But that isn't true fear. That's still a safe environment. You're still aware that that isn't a, sa- a safe environment. So when you take the true fear out of the situation, then you can experience the pain as pleasure or sometimes transmute or turn the pain to pleasure. Shame and guilt are intricately involved in sex for many of us raised in Western cultures. Most of us have been taught that sex and sexuality is somewhat shameful. Women are still being taught abstinence is the best course of action prior to marriage in many places. This might not be problematic in and of itself. After all, there's nothing inherently damaging in saving sexual activity until you are in a committed sexual relationship. Though many relationship breakdowns and divorces could be avoided by making sure couples have some level of sexual compatibility prior to making a lifetime commitment. Rather, the problem with preaching abstinence is the lessons that go along with its teaching. Young people are taught to avoid any sexual feelings. They're taught that feeling sexual is the beginning of a slippery slope and that if they indulge their sexual feelings, that um, it's possible that they would end up having intercourse. They are taught that sexual feelings are dirty, shameful, or wrong. There is no teaching about the pleasure that can be experienced through sexual activity or through touch, and there's no teaching about masturbation. Most of the teaching is around denying pleasure. There is still little talk about pleasure in sexual education. 
Girls are not taught that they should expect sex to feel good and certainly not talk how to make sex feel good. Girls aren't encouraged to learn their own bodies and so remain reliant on a partner for pleasure and orgasms. This is restricting enough. What's even worse is that boys are not taught about girls' bodies and how to provide pleasure. Essentially, sexual pleasure and orgasm for young women is left to trial and error or internet searching, neither of which is a really good way to learn about what your body can do for you. We can understand why pain is not talked about in depth, as this is still somewhat taboo. But it is hard to comprehend why pleasure is still relegated to the shadows. Doing so creates higher levels of shame and guilt associated with any kind of sexual enjoyment. I have spoken before about the damage that toxic shame can create. Many people experience toxic shame around their sexual desires. They cannot enjoy activities because they believe that they are wrong or ill or evil for having the fantasies in the first place. Brene Brown is a leading shame researcher who I've mentioned before. <clears throat> she makes a distinction between shame and guilt. She says, based on my research and the research of other shame researchers, I believe that guilt is adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and feeling psychological discomfort. I define shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Unfortunately, sexual shame remains part of many of our cultural experiences and upbringings. Women are often taught that feeling and seeking sexual pleasure is wrong and shameful. Men are shamed for certain desires, and living with this shame makes it difficult for people to own their sexuality. How to overcome this culture of denial of pleasure? Start by teaching children that their bodies produce a range of sensations and that there's nothing wrong with any of them. Start young by talking about the good feelings a hug can produce or a kiss can produce. Make sure that sex education starts young with age-appropriate lessons on anatomy, masturbation, pleasure, and boundaries. How to explore the edge between pleasure and pain. Start with an exploration of the variety of sensations you can experience in a sexual setting. Create a safe space with a partner and start out by engaging in some sensory play using different textures. Now, if you're not sure how to create a safe space, um, I detail this in a variety of places. I've got an ebook that you can request that's just about creating a sexual safe space. Um, and if you email me at drlauribeth at a to z of sex.com, that's A T O 
Z or Z O F S E X dot com. I will be happy to send that book to you. You just need to decide who is receiving and who is going to be giving for this exercise. Make sure that you're not going to be interrupted and that you can focus on exactly what's going on for you then. The person who's receiving is put in a comfortable position and blindfolded. This can be sitting up or lying down. Depends on what you have agreed. This set of exercises can actually be done in a workshop setting on non-sexual parts of the body. Or it can be done by partners and use all parts of the body. The person who is giving starts out by stroking the receiving person with a variety of different objects. The idea is to provide different textures and different sensations. I recommend using feathers, and I do recommend using more than one type of feather as feathers do have different textures themselves. Fur, sandpaper, and you can start with the, the smoother grades and move to the rougher grades. A needle or a knife edge. An ice cube. The flame from a candle. Obviously, you just want to do this close enough to the skin to feel the heat, but not to burn. A leather glove coconut oil or cocoa butter, grains of salt or sand. You know, um, some of these nice mixtures of exfoliating mixtures, <clears throat> men get now too, but mostly women use. Some of those are nice for that rough texture instead of um, using just straight sand or straight salt because there's a substrate that'll keep it together. And as I said, you can do this in a public environment by using the arms only. In sexual environments, you can stroke all over the body, moving hands from breasts to legs to vulva, moving um, underneath the balls or stroking the penis. If you want to increase the pleasure, pleasure pain challenge, move up and try a Wartenberg wheel. Now, a Wartenberg wheel is... Um, a tool that you hold in your hand. It's actually used by neurologists and it's a, it's a wheel at the top that spins and it has little points, sharp points on it. Um, so you can use one of those and run one of those over various areas of the body. Or you can try a vampire glove, which is a glove that has spikes in it. Or you might want to drip candle wax. Now, if you're going to play with candle wax, you need to learn some more about it before diving in. Um, different waxes produce different temperatures. Different heights will feel different in terms of the intensity of the pain or the heat that's experienced. Different colors of wax also produce different heat. Where you drip the wax or if you layer the wax will also make a difference. Notice the painful pleasure and the moment that things change. So um, with wax, it can be a shocking pain that turns into a, a lovely pleasure. 
Another gentle way to explore this edge is through orgasm denial. When someone's really close to orgasm, maintaining that intense turn on without moving into the release of orgasm can become painful. After holding this edge for a while, when the release comes, it can also have a painful edge. So it's so intensely pleasurable that it feels a little bit painful. That's that hurt so good thing. The pain and the pleasure will mingle together and then the intensity of everything is higher. I always ask people to send in questions that they want answered. So I have a couple that I'm going to answer today. Jan wrote in and asked, I, I like being flogged, but I don't have a regular partner. I meet people at events and clubs. How can I keep the pain at a level I enjoy and prevent myself from being injured when I engage in flogging? So Jan, even when you meet somebody at a club or an event, take some time to negotiate what a scene will contain. Make sure to give very clear descriptions of what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy because they're not going to have time to learn you so well. If you're not a good match for each other, no worries. Move on and look to meet someone else. Don't get worried that this might be the only opportunity you have that evening. Sometimes um, problems arise and bad experience come about because you're talking with somebody who tells you that they're into quite a bit more intense uh, pain provision than you're into receiving but you're afraid you're not going to get to play that evening. So you go, oh, I, I can manage it. I can manage it and go along with it. And actually, you don't end up enjoying it at all. So if you're not a good match, don't worry about it. Move on, meet someone else. Remember to trust your gut while you're negotiating. If something doesn't feel right, thank the person and move on. Don't try and figure out what it is. Don't worry that you should give everybody a chance. None of that. Just say thank you very much and move on. Make sure you're really clear about sexual contact. Is this just a flogging only? Make sure you agree a safe word and a safe gesture if the environment's likely to be so loud and noisy that um, the safe word may not be picked up on. Also make sure that you talk about aftercare and agree what's going to happen for aftercare. Ask the person to start slowly and to check in with you. Even doing all these things, it is possible someone will strike you harder than you like and it will hurt in a way that doesn't feel good. If this happens, breathe through it, breathe through that pain and either say your safe word or decide to keep going to see if things move back into your pleasure zone. Some people like to choose safe words and not a stop immediately word. So it's a, it's getting too much word. And that sometimes allows um, a new partner to push a little bit harder because they know you'll let them know if, you, if, if they've gotten close to an area that means that they need to stop. Nina wrote in and asked, I want to try pain, but I'm afraid of anything intense. How can I start experimenting without being paralyzed by fear? Nina, the first step to experimenting is trusting someone that you're experimenting with. Again, negotiate clearly your needs and your desires. Take some time to get to know the person before entering into a scene. 
if this is going to be a casual scene and, and not something that's being done in a relationship, I advise watching the person playing with others to see what they do with other people. Watch a variety of scenes because they might play with somebody who likes heavy stuff first and then lighter stuff later. More manageable things to start with are being scratched with fingernails, first gently and then more firmly. And spanking. Again, first a gentle spanking and only on the fleshy part of the rear end and then the intensity can be moved up. Pinching is also something that can be either really easy to manage or really hard to manage. But that's an easy thing to start with. Um, temperature play can be easy or hard. So um, like I mentioned wax before, you can also um, do things with ice cubes or um, just something cold. So taking something that's metal and running it over the skin. So um, just so that you feel that cold sensation. If you're going to do something with hitting, make sure you start on the fleshier areas of the body because those are usually easier to manage. And the fleshy part of the, the, the rump is definitely the easiest place to manage um, pain. So that would be the place that I would recommend starting. Um, some people like to start with the breasts, but um, many women find the breasts quite difficult. So um, I would avoid that for a starting place for experiencing pain. You want this to be a positive experience. So you want to end the session that you're doing on a high note when you're feeling well, when it's going well, rather than uh, when you just when you can't take any more. So if things are fantastic and great, that may be the time to call a stop. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Please write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's a t o z o f s e x.com. And do visit both websites, https colon backslash backslash a t o z o f s e x.com and https colon backslash backslash the dash intimacy dash coach.com to learn to express and explore your authentic sexual self. Why not join me for an arousing conversation about what turns you on and what gets you off in my upcoming webinar, Four Secrets for Igniting and Arousing Your Authentic Sexual Self. Head over to https colon backslash backslash the dash intimacy dash coach.com backslash for four dash secrets, and that's the number four dash secrets backslash. If you want to register, also the links are in the podcast notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, and please subscribe. Join me next week when the letter will be Q, and Q is for queen and queening. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. 
Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.